When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. This is your moment. Your time to shine. Your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. School of Humans. So it's another episode of American Filth, and this one is about a, a man and his penis. Wouldn't have it any other way, would we? But uh, it really is making me question, is this podcast mostly about white men's penises? I will have to interrogate that at a later date. This episode is super about a man's penis, like so much so that I think it's important for us to find other words for penis. So I had some friends call in and give me a list of synonyms for it. Um, here they are. Cock, phallus, member, manhood, schlong, wiener, hot dog, wang, dong, tallywhacker, Big zany worm, tube schlub, and a grave digger. Dicklet, ding-a-lang, ding-dong, dipstick, fire hose. Pink torpedo, chode, purple yogurt slinger. John C. My penis. The penis we're talking about today is named Jumbo, and it belonged to the 36th president of the United States, Lyndon B. Johnson. And he's the one who gave it the name Jumbo, by the way. Can you believe it that he would think so highly of his wiener? Uh, But apparently, in fact, it was quite Jumbo in size and in prolific usage. So that's today on American Filth. This is American Filth. I'm Gabby Watts. Every week I tell you a filthy story from American history. Today's episode... Jumbo Johnson. It's the 1960s, and uh, JFK has just been assassinated. But after he's assassinated, 
the vice president took over and it was LBJ. And then so he's sworn into office as the 36th president of the United States. Uh, his administration is known for all sorts of stuff, like the Civil Rights Act of 1964 and 65, the creation of public radio and television, food stamps, Medicare, Medicaid. So, like, lots of welfare and education and overall cool things. What's that? A whiff of socialism, I smell. He's also known as the guy who escalated America's involvement in the Vietnam War. And the thing is, when he faced a lot of criticism about this with a lot of, like, media attention, this is what he did. He pulled out his dick. That's right. When there were some reporters who were badgering him about why the U.S. was in Vietnam, his off-the-record retort was to unzip his pants, whip out his dick, and say, this is why. Which didn't really answer the question. But that dick of his, well, as I said, he had a name for it. He called it Jumbo. And this isn't that weird because now allegedly every U.S. president so far has had a wiener. And a 2013 World Health Organization report suggested that the majority of American men named their ding-dongs. So really, maybe it's not that weird that the head of state gave his wiener a nickname. But Johnson took his phallic focus further. The man cared a great deal about his presidential package, even demanding that when he moved into the White House that there be new nozzles added to the shower. One jet stream was designed to shoot up his butthole, and the other was to aim directly at Jumbo. That's right. He wanted to clean his skin hose so aggressively that he needed the same water pressure as a fire hose. And, I mean, that's good. I know a lot of men who haven't ever washed their dicks before. So, good on you, LBJ. And again, LBJ gave his dong that nickname himself. So you might think he was exaggerating about how big it was. But there is actually plenty of evidence that Johnson did have a jumbo sausage. For example, here's a really illuminating conversation he had with pant salesman Joe Hager, requesting specific alterations to accommodate his meat stick. Now, the pockets, when you sit down in the chair, the knife and your money comes out, so I needed at least another inch in the pockets. Yeah. Now, another thing, the crotch down where your nuts hang, it's always a little too tight. So when you make them up, give me a inch that I can let out there uh, because they cut me. They're just like riding a, a wire fence. These are almost, these are the best that I've had anywhere in the United States. But uh, uh, when I gain a little weight, they cut me under there. So leave me, uh, you never do have much margin there. Let's see if you can't leave me about an inch from the, where the zipper ends. Uh, round uh, under my back to my bunghole. Was that disgusting? Whatever. The president, the former president just did it. So shut the fuck up. And again, besides his pants not fitting, there is there is more evidence that he had a large piece. Apparently, a lot of people he worked with had the privilege of seeing it because he would carry on full on conversations while pissing with his willy in full view. One time after the president urinated, he started talking to a colleague without zipping up his pants. 
and he just asked them point blank if they had ever seen something so big. Yeah, so basically he was just like in the White House flashing people. But his exhibitionism, it was considered part of his big personality and his fleshy sword was an extension of his power. I hated that sentence. I'm sorry. If you are sick of all these innuendos for penis, we're not even halfway through the episode. But it's not my fault. It's former President Johnson's fault. And it turns out Johnson's Johnson was also a big hit with the ladies. Yeah, not just his wife, but lots of other ladies too. Can you guys believe it? Another president who would cheat on his wife. No way. Even though Lyndon B. Johnson had been married to his wife Lady Bird since 1934, that didn't stop him from unleashing Jumbo on a variety of other women. And the president was proud of his sexual exploits and, like, pretty competitive about them, too. When people talked about John F. Kennedy's many affairs, LBJ apparently proclaimed, quote, I had more women on accident than he ever had on purpose. Now, that claim could also be a reflection of Johnson's deep-rooted insecurities. His braggadocious personality was often a thinly-veiled cover for his shaky self-confidence. According to Robert Caro, who has written multiple books about the man, Johnson's excessive boasting goes all the way back to his college days. Caro notes that young Lyndon would embellish his sex life, making himself out to be some college Casanova who had countless lovers and incalculable casual sex, but it turns out he exaggerated to the point of straight-up lying. And whether he did outbang President Kennedy or not, we'll never know. But LBJ was known to bring beautiful young ladies to work at the White House, many of them from his home state of Texas. And some have reported that he thought of these women as fair game, groping them and sexually harassing them, just trying to exert his jumbo power all over them. Like one of the women he had an affair with was Mary Margaret Wiley. She served as LBJ's personal secretary from 1954 to 1962. And then when he was done with her, he apparently came on to Wiley's successor, Marie Femmer. She claimed that when she started her role as the secretary in 1962, Johnson offered her a fun little exchange. He said he'd get her an apartment in New York City if she would have his child. Wow, LBJ fostered such a healthy work environment. Weirdly enough, she declined. At this point, you're probably thinking, wow, being a woman in the 1960s sounds awesome. I'm glad things are so much better now. You can do anything. Whatever you want. Grab him by the pussy. <laughs> I can do anything. Anyway... It seems that LBJ, our predator-in-chief, was allowed to carry on with his nasty behaviors without any real consequences. And it all just gives a new meaning to his 1964 campaign slogan, All the Way with LBJ. Here's the thing, even the White House staff helped him with his filthy philandering ways. Johnson would often do his extramarital sex in the Oval Office 
According to some rumors, Lady Bird might have one time walked in on him. <gasps> but after that, the president had a secret buzzer installed in the Oval Office so that the Secret Service could warn him when his wife was on the way. What a good use of our taxpayer dollars. And honestly, after the amount of slutty presidents this country has had, I bet the Oval Office is just like covered in jizz. Like, why do you guys think the house is white? It used to be gray. Don't come at me for that joke. Come on me. No. Gross. Anyway. This presidential fuckboy didn't only start fooling around in his later life and career. No, 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 no. He had a long history of cheating on his wife. More on that after the break. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Okay. I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th, just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual-wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. One affair that had significant influence on LBJ, both personally and professionally, was one that began in the late 1930s, just a couple years after he married Lady Bird. It was with a fierce and flirtatious Texas woman named Alice Glass. And honestly, Johnson's affair with Glass was pretty ballsy because she was also romantically entwined with this dude named Charles Marsh. Marsh was a wealthy man 
the publisher of the Austin American Statesman, haha, ha, newspapers making money, and he was also one of Johnson's biggest financial donors. But that sex triangle did not stop LBJ. No, no, no. He risked his marriage and his career for a piece of glass. Ah, <laughs> you get it? A piece of glass. <laughs> like ass. You guys get it? Do I have to explain all my jokes? I'm sorry I'm being so hostile today. I'm just mad at LBJ. Good thing he did the civil rights stuff. Otherwise, he'd be cruising for a bruising, if you know what I'm saying. I'm going to beat him up, but he's dead. Anyway... Glass was, by all accounts, super hot, you know, super fire. Fire emojis all day. She was tall, blonde, blue eyes. She was smooth and seductive. She was talkative, intelligent, confident, you know, exactly like me. This one article quoted this lobbyist, Frank Posh Oldtorf, who knew Johnson and Glass. He said, quote, Alice had a great presence. When she walked into a room, everyone looked at her. She was tall, slim, good-looking, and extremely smart. She had a voice that was both sexy and soothing. So yeah, Alice, she was a hottie. She was smart. She gave Johnson advice on a number of things, like clothing, notably his cufflinks and ties. She told him how to pose her photos, and of course, she would talk to him about politics and he pretty much followed her advice. So he was like super smitten with this gal. But the question is, why was she attracted to him? According to Johnson's biographer, Caro, she fell in love with him because she saw him as an idealist who was gonna like do good things and maybe save the world or something. From where the zipper ends, They carried on with this secret dalliance right under Marsh's powerful nose. And the good thing about this affair for the two of them is either they were so good at keeping a secret or Marsh was just a real dumb idiot. But Marsh, he never discovered it. So his support for LBJ, both with his money and with media attention, it never wavered. Lady Bird, on the other hand, was understandably intimidated by Glass. She had met Glass before, while she was at the University of Texas. And later, after the affair began, Lady Bird sometimes had to deal with Alice and Lyndon together. Lyndon sounds like a great guy to be married to. (laughs) But Lady Bird never said shit to Lyndon, instead reacting like many women throughout history to silently try to become more like the woman their husband is banging. Yes, even Lady Bird saw Glass as elegant, beautiful, and charming, which in later interviews she said with admiration, but like also in an excessively modest, self-deprecating sort of way. Honestly, I wish the Barbie movie had come out at this point so that she could learn how to be empowered. And it was probably because of her husband's fascination with glass that Lady Bird began a really fucked up beauty regiment, losing weight, dressing sexier, and even wearing more makeup. And Lady Bird became more social and politically engaged, like an ideal DC wife. She dedicated herself to Lyndon's career, becoming a political partner and an influential member of her husband's administration. Because, you know, LBJ liked his women to be sexy and smart. But, you know, there's some evidence that Lady Bird sort of stood up for herself sometimes. Like, she couldn't deny the political and social acumen that Alice possessed. 
But apparently one time when they were all talking about the rise of Hitler, Lady Bird suggested that Alice could help fight the Nazis because she was, quote, tall and blonde. She looks like a Valkyrie. You know, basically saying, wow, Hitler would love you. Anyway, speaking of Hitler, it was actually World War II that would make Lyndon and Alice's romantic connection fade. In 1942, smack dab in the middle of war, Johnson invited Glass out to California. There's just like tons of death and horror happening, just like awful shit being reported on the news regularly. But Johnson, well, he was chilling in Los Angeles, hitting up high society events like movie screenings and parties and photo shoots and getting lessons from a voice coach. The contrast between the two, you know, his pompous political posturing and the grim realities of war was a total turnoff for Alice. So much for the man who was gonna save the world or whatever. But Johnson Glass stayed in touch for many more decades as she went through several marriages and he advanced in his political career. The other breaking point for Glass though was after LBJ became El Presidente. Despite having a decades-long entanglement with him, she ended up burning love letters Johnson had sent her because of her opposition to the Vietnam War. Because, like, she considered him responsible for the escalation of the war. And you guys know what they say, love conquers all, except when you're committing violent atrocities in another country. Honestly, props to Alice for being a one-woman anti-war protester. Amazing. But that didn't stop Johnson from keeping his Johnson wet with other women. The man loved boning, and he had a type. After his relationship with Glass, he slept with his congressional colleague, Helen Gahagan Douglas. Douglas, like Glass, was also a political animal. She was the first Democratic woman elected to Congress from California. She had also been a Broadway performer, touring opera singer, and an actress in Hollywood films. So Douglas, too, was charming, charismatic, and a hottie with a body to boot. Their affair was definitely like an open secret, and it lasted well beyond her six years in Washington. They also stayed in touch for years after, leading into LBJ's presidency. And here's a recording from January 1st, 1964, less than two months after Johnson was sworn in as president. LBJ called up his old flame Helen, asking her to represent him at the 100th anniversary of U.S.-Liberia relations. And she's basically just, like, fawning over the new prez. Linda, you're doing wonderfully. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Yes, you are. Sarah, I got some up. I said an absolute admiration and, oh, it's just, it's just, you know, everything is just right. I'm cutting down the military bases. And some Later on this call, it's really cringy. Uh, Lady Bird pops on the phone to chat with Helen. They discuss some mutual acquaintances. Helen compliments the newly sworn in president some more. But then Lady Bird brings up a, quote, sassy message that her husband had sent to Helen. Uh, Lyndon sent you the sassy message, which I, uh, well, I, I guess I'm used to it because I, like I like for women to like him and I like for him to like them. But anyhow, he said that he and Rob... Lady Bird says she's used to Lyndon being a flirtatious little fuckboy towards other women. And she kind of defeatedly makes it sound like she's fine with it. But also bringing it up feels like a way of saying, I saw that, Helen. A comment that ends the phone call politely, but very quickly. Okay. All right. Goodbye. Bye. Goodbye. 
But it wasn't Lady Bird's side eye that ended the relationship between Helen Douglas and Lyndon B. Johnson. No, 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 no. The two remained friendly until, believe it or not, the Vietnam War. Yes, he lost his second romantic connection due to the war. Helen was also against Uncle Sam's involvement in Vietnam, and she traveled across the U.S. protesting it. And President Johnson, he didn't like that. So he grew cold and shitty towards her. When she attended a White House reception, LBJ refused to even shake her hand because he's just a petty little bitch with a big-ass dick. But we'll just say that the Vietnam War may well have been Johnson's biggest cock block. And in terms of, like, when all this information came out, uh, news of his many mistresses wasn't really publicized until after he died in 1973. It was in the early 80s that his affair with Alice Glass was uncovered. And then not long after that, another woman came out and claimed, in a press conference no less, that she, too, had some shit to expose. Her name was Madeline Brown. And ooh-wee, she made a slew of allegations. She claimed that she'd had a 20-year relationship with the former president and that they had had a kid together, her son, Stephen Mark Brown. And a few years later, in 1987, with the former president six feet under, Stephen filed a paternity suit, a $10.5 million lawsuit against Lady Bird, alleging that the former first lady had conspired to exclude him from the Johnson estate and keep him from getting his inheritance. Ooh, scandal. That same year, People magazine gave more details about Madeline's claims, including how they met, how there was this dude who served as a go-between for their secret sexy rendezvous. And after she had made Lyndon's people aware that she was pregnant, she claims that a lawyer contacted her, set her up with a whole-ass house, a maid, cars, and credit cards. Damn, I wish I was rich enough to have mistresses anyway. Later, in 1989, the paternity suit was dismissed by a judge because Stephen Brown failed to show up in court. Which sounds like he was being flighty as hell, uh, but it was actually probably because uh, he had cancer and he died the next year. Anyway, after all of this, Madeline Brown still wasn't done making allegations. She said that there was a conspiracy to assassinate President John F. Kennedy and that Lyndon B. Johnson was at least aware of the plot and that he didn't stop it because he fucking hated Kennedy and he wanted to be president. Brown ended up writing everything in a book that was published in 1997 called Texas in the Morning, The Love Story of Madeline Brown and President Lyndon Baines Johnson. A love story for the ages. <laughs> I can't stop thinking about Lady Bird. It must have sucked being married to LBJ. Because not only did he have all these, like, side chicks and have all this crude behavior, uh, he was also just, like, a dick to her. <laughs> he was a big dick to her. He was a jumbo dick to her. Like, he'd, like, yell at her to make supper and clean up. He would make her, like, entertain large groups of people at the last minute, expecting her to serve them a cooked meal. He would constantly criticize her appearance, telling her to put on more lipstick or dictating how she should wear her hair. And then he'd just like compare her to other women, saying, why can't you look like that? He even ditched her when she was in labor with their first daughter, Linda. 
Like, he dropped her off at the hospital and then just, like, drove around with a political friend of his for hours, just leaving her alone in the hospital. But despite all of this abuse, Lady Bird just was dutiful. Later on, in a televised interview with their daughter, Linda, Lady Bird called Lyndon her lover, her friend, her identity, and told her daughter, the need for women to have their individual identity belongs to your generation, not mine. Lady Bird suffered through all of this for Lyndon B. Johnson, the man who had a massive personality, huge insecurities, an enormous ego, colossal career aspirations, a massive level of misogyny, and yes, a Jumbo Johnson. I guess everything's bigger in Texas. As always, we learn a lesson from this episode of American Filth. Um, you know, American Filth, we all know, it's basically a series of morality tales. I think what we learned from this one is that if you have a big wiener, you can do whatever the hell you want. And also don't be married to a president. American Filth is a production of School of Humans and iHeart Podcasts. I'm Gabby Watts. Amelia Brock is our senior producer and wrote this episode. The theme song is by Jesse Nyswanger and me. Our executive producers are Virginia Prescott, Brandon Barr, and Elsie Crowley. And you can follow the pod on Instagram at American Filth Pod. And special thanks to all my friends who called in and gave their penis synonyms. I couldn't do it without you. School of Humans. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah! And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that! A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in! Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it! Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles, ready for next day installation, and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R I T E R U G.com today to schedule a free in home estimate or to find a location near you. 24 month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring.